0: Of visitation. Hear the spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Come, let us enter in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, we give you praise. Thank you for this gathering. Because it's unto no other name but unto the mighty name of Jesus lord we commit this meeting into your hands we ask that Your holy spirit shall take absolute control i pray that your word will come forth with power to transform somebody's mind to transform somebody's heart i take authority over every working of the enemy I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy we declare the hearts and the minds of the people of god sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their father through the word this evening, take glory, father, take glory, son, take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving, Amen. Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! We bless God for tonight, and I believe we are all poised to receive the unadulterated word of God, Amen. Today, I'll preach to you a brief sermon. We'll receive some instruction from the Word of God. Amen. Oh, amen. And um, I believe we all admit to the fact that we are in the end times. We are in the last of the last moments. Somebody actually said, if it was a football match, we'll be in time added on. You know, when the 90 minutes are already over and the referee just are some three minutes, for us to see what can happen within those three minutes. Yeah, injury time. We're actually in injury time. Hallelujah. And so many things are happening. In recent times, we've had a lot of issues with fake pastors, false prophets, deceivers, salatans, and all of that. It's something that is doing the rounds in these days. And I mean, a few days ago, I heard a certain story which made me decide to visit this issue in this brief teaching today. So today I want to teach you on what I call signs of a Christian cult. Signs of a Christian cult. I've preached a similar message before in my series on the church, my 18-part series on the church. Um, This is more or less like a modification of that with some additional information. Hallelujah. Signs of a Christian cult. Now, before you you switch your mind off and say, as for this sermon, it's not for me. Um, Just reconsider. Hallelujah because it's very easy to find yourself in a cult and you wouldn't know you are in a cult hallelujah you could be a pastor and you are running your church like a cult and you wouldn't even know you are running the church like a cult amen now it's important to note that there is a difference between the occult and a cult they are not the same there's a difference between the occult When we talk about the occult, we are talking about satanic things. We are talking about people dealing in spiritism, people who are, you know, dealing in dark arts and stuff like that. But when we talk about a cult, I looked for a dictionary definition of a cult. And this is what I came up with it says, a social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or by its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. I'll take it again. A social group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical belief. That means you can even have a cult that is not necessarily religious in nature. But this one we're talking about church things, or philosophical belief, or by its common interest in a particular personality object or goal so that is the definition of a cult there's nothing about you can have a cult that is occultic but the other way around is not necessarily so all right so let's not miss or jumble the two words together a cult is different from um the occult or something being occultic it doesn't necessarily have to be occultic. It just has to have certain characteristics for it to qualify as a cult. Now, some of the things I'm going to mention, if, let's say, you can see it in a group you belong to or something, it doesn't necessarily mean it is a cult. It means it is exhibiting cultish behavior. Hallelujah. There's a difference between a thing being a cult and it exhibiting cultish behavior. And when cultish behavior starts and it's not stopped, then the thing becomes a full-blown cult. And, and when we talk about cult, it doesn't have to be a big group. It doesn't have to be something that is on TV or on the news. I'm sure immediately your mind went to people like Jim Jones and you know, yes, those those kind of things. It it doesn't, you could be a group of just five people, and the way the group is going, you are exhibiting cultish behavior. Hallelujah. That's why I said don't switch your mind off. You could easily turn a cell group you have been giving to oversee into a court, and you even realize that is what you are doing. Hallelujah! Yeah, a small prayer group you belong to. Nowadays we belong to a lot of prayer groups, like in Bible here, in Bible there. You know, things like that. It's good to like prayer, but you you have to be sharp. You have to be discerning. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we are not necessarily talking about a church. You can have a church that is operating like a cult. You can have a group. It's just three people. But the way they are doing their things, they are exhibiting cultish tendencies. Very popular cults in history. One of them was led by Jim Jones, the one I, I mentioned. And, I mean, he taught them some very interesting doctrines. Eventually, what happened was that they all hundreds or probably even thousands of people they went into a certain forest in Guyana and they all drank from a barrel that had cyanide cyanide is a highly poisonous thing they all drank and died in the forest like that because they were following a cult leader in the 90s there was one man called David Koresh Waco Texas He said the end was going to come uh, during a particular time and blah, blah. blah. So his followers sold everything they had. They cleared their bank accounts. They come in some place and that one too ended in the loss of lives. Yeah, so those are major ones. Those are world events. But as I said, you can have a very little group, a small group, small prayer group, even a small Bible study group or even a group within your your class that you do some spiritual things together and you will start operating like a cult and you wouldn't even know. It's very easy to shift from normal Christianity into cult Christianity. It's it's a very, very easy thing that can happen. I want to show you something in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Give me Revelation chapter 2, 5 to 6. Revelation 2, 5 to 6. Now, this is Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. When Jesus appeared to John on the island of Patmos and he had seven letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. This was one of the things he said to um, the church at Ephesus. He said, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. Verse 6. He said, But this you have. So he was now commending them, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. All right. In Revelation, this is not the only time the Nicolaitans were mentioned. The Nicolaitans were a cult. All right. They were a cult. And if you read about the Nicolaitans and the Nicolaitan doctrine, um, the theologians will tell you there are very interesting parallels between Nicolitanism. There's something called Balamism, and there's something called Jezebelism. They are maybe one day I'll teach you some of these things. Uh, Nicolitanism, Balamism, and Jezebelism. Very interesting, close um, parallels between them. But the founder of this cult was called Nicholas. Okay, that's why it's called the Nicolitan Doctrine. I'm trying to show you how easy it can be to drift out of um, the correct line and start doing things that are not right. Nicholas was the founder or the leader of the cult called the Nicolitans. Alright, so these people were following Nicholas, were following his teachings, his wrong teachings, his erroneous teachings all right today is not a day for me to go into the details on what nicolitanism is so who who was this Nicholas guy let's look at acts chapter 6 let's read from verse 3 to 5 acts chapter 6 verse 3 to 5 so it came to a time when the apostles were getting overwhelmed with a lot of work in the church and so a suggestion came they said and so brothers select seven men Look at the characteristics who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. They wanted people who help with administration of the church and stuff like that. And look at the characteristics they gave. They said seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit. Say full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll give them this responsibility. Let's see the verse 4. He said, Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. They needed to relieve themselves of certain responsibilities so that they could do the most important things that an apostle is supposed to do, which is prayer and the word. Verse 5. Which is the main thing I'm interested in. is said, Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following: Stephen, into bracket, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and then Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paminas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. Hallelujah! That was the Nicholas who founded the Nicolitan doctrine. Or the sect or the cult they refer to as the Nicolitans. you remember the earlier characteristics full of wisdom full of the spirit that means this guy started right that is why you mustn't shut your mind to this what you call it hallelujah a responsibility can be given to you and you will start you may be sent oh go to this town plant a church and you'll be operating like a cult leader, but may that not be your story in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, so it's very easy to drift. It's very easy to be part of a cultic group and you wouldn't even know it. All right? Nowadays, forming groups is very easy. You just have to go to WhatsApp and you have a group. You don't really need to call people and you can have a group and you've never even met before. Physically. Physically now there is zoom there is everything so forming these things has has become very very easy you don't need to pick a car and go for a meeting you can stay in your room and have a meeting and all of that so what are some of the characteristics some of the things some of the telltale signs and i must repeat that if you see one in a group you belong to it doesn't mean it is a cult all it means is that it is showing cultic tendencies or cortic behavior all right number one such groups oppose critical thinking when i say critical thinking i'm talking about you asking questions you having an inquiring mind it's like what you are told take it don't even analyze it don't like there's there's no room for you to even analyze for yourself To find out whether what has been said is true. And this is done through two main methods. Indoctrination and brainwashing. Indoctrination and brainwashing. What is indoctrination? Indoctrination is a process of teaching a person or a group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Without like you you don't just take it. Just take it. But when I look through the New Testament that is not what I see. Asking of questions was encouraged. People were encouraged to read between the lines. If you read 1 John chapter 4 verse 1, 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. He said, "Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit." you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from god another version says test every spirit you see when you say test every spirit we are not actually talking about some spirit that is flying around in the air or anything like that i mean whatever i'm saying to you there's a there's a spirit behind it hallelujah uh-huh. so it says test the spirit he said you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from god for there are many false prophets in the world. Now, when we say testing the spirit, some of asks, so how do you test? Is there a thermometer? Is there a particular instrument that you use to test? Let me ask you a simple question. When your teacher wants to test you, what does he do? He asks you questions. And you answer in an exam. An exam is basically answering questions. Alright? So you test by asking questions interrogating what it is that you are hearing amen you should be able to i mean if if a pastor preaches something a leader preaches something you don't understand you should be able to have contact with the person to be able to ask oh can i have further explanation of this i didn't really get this i mean a lot of times we preach and we assume you've understood fully but sometimes when we get the chance of having feedback you realize that we're thinking in uh, <laughs> diametrically opposed ways. That's why I personally like the uh, ion sharpened, ion services we have at Overflow. Where, and you know, the times I say I'm doing an dream assessment, where I ask questions on the things that I have thought, And you get feedback and, you know, sometimes you realize, oh, you communicated the thing this way, you understood it, but maybe it was understood in a different way. There should be room for people to ask questions, of course. On Sunday, nobody will like oh In the middle of a sermon, you raise your hand. Pastor, stop, stop, stop. Let me. When the spirit is moving like that, you can't stop. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, But you should be able to see your pastor after church, or if you have a number call or send a WhatsApp. Oh, I didn't really get this point, or something like that. But in places where there are cultic tendencies, such things are seen as disrespect. Certain things are seen as you are disrespecting authority. You are questioning the, the, the doctrinal soundness of your leader. Acts seventeen 11. I've used this several times. It said, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly. So that means they received the message with a lot of enthusiasm. To Paul's message. This is Apostle Paul we are talking about. The one who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. The one who had been to heaven and back. Somebody can sit and say, I knew a man, whether it was in the flesh or in the spirit, I can't tell. I mean, can you talk like that? You know a man, but you're not sure whether you knew him in the spirit or in the flesh. This man he was walking on different, different levels. Euthyros died, he brought him back to life. I mean, when I read that account, I'm so amazed. He was teaching. The man fell. He went and raised him if it was me i would have turned the service into a miracle service but he went back to the teaching (laughs) and continued (laughs) teaching i mean the supernatural and the things of god were normal in his life all right but this is paul they are saying they received this message eagerly and then they searched the scriptures the day after that means monday they searched the scriptures they took the notes that they wrote Maybe you your notes they are just for um, decoration and to appease your conscience that you came to church, but you need to go back to your notes. Hallelujah! Either on the same day to a speech or like in this people's case, Monday, the day after, to see if Paul and Silas were teaching them the truth. So they'll take their scriptures and see whether the thing he quoted. That's why I like projection of scriptures. We all read it together. Hallelujah! We all read it together. We see that. It's not like somebody is paraphrasing something or somebody is just twisting things to suit their own whims and caprices. But we are all reading the same thing. He said, they set the scripture the day after to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So these are just two examples to show us that the Bible or the New Testament encourages critical thinking. The New Testament encourages asking questions you must ask questions. When you don't understand things, you must ask questions. You you are not just supposed... It's not an indication of disrespect. But in a cultic society or a society or a group that exhibits cultish tendencies, these things are seen as disrespect. These things are seen as dishonoring the anointing or disrespecting the anointing or not uh, respecting the mantle upon the person's life whose mantle was thicker and stronger than Paul. But it was accepted for the people to go back and critique what he has, has, he has taught. Look, it's true. There are times at a particular point in time in the person's ministry, he will believe something. But later, maybe when he has matured. Even Paul himself said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. But now that I'm grown, I'm refraining from childish things. So there are things. I mean, certain men of God I, I respect because at certain stages in their ministry, they said certain things. And later, when they were more mature, they came back and said, look, this thing that I said, forget, don't don't even go and listen to it again because I was wrong then. I didn't understand certain things like th- then. That is how it is. You mustn't see yourself as the all-in-all all and, you know, the career of all the wisdom and all the knowledge in this world. So one of the characteristics is that they oppose critical thinking. Number two, cultural groups dishonor the family unit. How do they do so? Dishonor the family unit. You are made to think family is not important. You are made to think maybe the group is more important than your family, than your Mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters. It's like forget them. All your concentration should be as here. Hallelujah. But God instituted the family as the basic building block of society. That's how He intended it to be. Although man has made it some way. All what do you call it, procreation is supposed to come through the family unit. That was God's original intention. So the family unit has a very important role to play in society but some groups tend to downplay the importance of these things it's like everything has to be about the group, everything has to be about the ministry, don't pay attention to anything family and the reason behind this is that it's, it's meant to cut you away from the very people who can actually open your eyes to the truth, the people who care about you enough to open your eyes to the truth of the fact that maybe you are being led astray. So, they dishonor the family unit. And then, the third characteristic is that there's this tendency to isolate the people. Isolating the people, one, probably from even, let's say, the rest of the body of Christ. Don't attend meetings that are organized or programs that are organized by another church or another group we are the ones that have the correct information we are the ones that have the correct um, revelation everyone else is wrong we are the only ones that are on the right track When, when you start hearing some of these things your antennas have to be up hallelujah yeah don't listen to any other preacher apart from this particular one or the leader or something of the sort these are cultic tendencies because you see um it's all part of the process of brainwashing if you are just listening to one person who will even prompt you to the fact that probably this thing that has been said is not in accordance with scripture so you you continue to remain along those lines and you continue to believe the lie and continue to believe the lie until the time you realize your life has been made somewhere there are countries that are isolated from the rest of the world a country like north korea they've isolated them from the rest of the world you won't get google in north korea to google something to find out information for yourself everything has been shut whatever information you get is what the government gives to you so they've told the people that the ruling family they are the ones who make it rain in the country that's why they literally worship their president like he is god himself because that is what you are taught from infancy everything everything you know is what the government has told you that is the power of isolation and this is a method some cults also adopt where you are isolated you are made to believe listening to other preachers is wrong you must listen just to your leader just listen to your leader it must be your leader and your leader alone is a sign it is a bad sign and you need to watch out for that and it's not just about listening even interacting with people from other churches there's a strong prohibition for marrying outside the church very strong prohibition That's what that one every pastor will want to keep the faithful daughters in the church no two ways about it but if somebody comes and she has to go you have to let the daughter go hallelujah have to let her go and trust God that the gentleman will also go and bring some good quality material to replace. That is it. It's, it's, a, it's a nice cycle. So long as we are all within the body of Christ, that is the most important thing. Alright? So there is this culture of isolation. Don't interact with other churches. Don't go for their meetings. Don't attend other programs. Of course, if for example you have a responsibility in your church and you neglect it because maybe there's a program somewhere you are going and you've not even made arrangements for somebody else to do what you are doing and you've not even made your leaders aware that oh for this reason i'm not going to of course that one is bad hallelujah that one is bad you don't just get up and leave a responsibility and go elsewhere when there is something happening in the place where you have a responsibility okay so isolating people is one of the characteristics number four demonizing or penalizing people for leaving when for one reason or the other you decide that this is no longer a place for me I'm supposed to leave you are made to look like the devil's younger brother you are made to look like you're a demon walking it's like this person that has left us uh, yes, you are vacillating. The fact that you have led them automatically means you have backsleding. But in certain cases, it is rather known that your walk with God is going to begin. <laughs> yeah. In certain cases, you know, you are made to look so bad. And the remaining members are told to stay away from you. Don't interact with this particular person because the person has left. And the explanation is that. The one bad that will spoil the rest whatever offense or whatever it was that made you leave the person is going to infect you with it, it is true that is very very possible but behind that is also a fear that whatever truth you saw or whatever you saw through you would let them also see the same light and they will follow you and go You see, when it comes to church, for most people, the church they are in now is not the church they were born into. They came from somewhere. So if they are living to go elsewhere, why should you, the leader, demonize them? Were they demons leaving another place to come to join you? And as I keep saying, nobody has died for anybody. We pastors, nobody has died for anybody. Nobody has shed his blood for anybody. We are all under the covering of Jesus Christ. And we thank him for his finished work on the cross. So people shouldn't behave like they own their souls. Shouldn't behave like they own their souls. We are just custodians. We are just shepherds of the flock that Christ has given unto us. Pastors are not owners of the flock. Pastors are not owners of the flock. And this must be something that must be... Look, there are times people get to a point where maybe for their own reasons, they realize this is no longer the place for me. They realize, maybe there are certain things going on and they realize, oh, I can't get blessed anymore. I will not advise anybody to continue being in a church where you can't receive anymore. Sometimes you yourself can bring yourself to the place where you can't receive anymore because you allow things like familiarity and things like that to come in. And so now, when your pastor even stands to preach, it's like, oh, normal to you and trust me the devil will always want to bring you to that point because familiarity is the one thing that can stop the move of god in your life familiarity doesn't respect once you are familiar the person can be super crazily anointed it will not move who was more anointed than jesus but when he stood in front of his own people and they recognized him as the carpenter son, he, said, he the carpenter said he too he says is a prophet today <sniffs> Upon all the anointing, they say he couldn't do any miracles. He laid hands on a few people. And I don't even know whether when he laid hands, things happened. <laughs> but they say he laid hands and he went away. Familiarity is, is like an obstacle. And when you allow it to come, it blocks your blessing. So I, mean, I tell people when you are at a point where you believe or you think you can't receive any longer, stop wasting your time. Just get up and move. Hallelujah. Just get up and move. So, When people leave ministries, they shouldn't be demonized. They shouldn't be made to to look bad. They shouldn't be penalized. Sometimes people penalize people. They, They withhold things that they have and all of that. like Just to, you know, it's all about control. It's all about control. And these are cultic tendencies. These are cultic tendencies. People do these things without the intention of actually running a cult. But you see, these things the flesh can just come in and the time you realize you are doing things that you are not supposed to do. So that's point number four. Point number five. They cross biblical boundaries of behavior. So things like immorality. immorality The spirit of immorality can easily infiltrate the cult. It's very easy to happen because you see some of these things are they, they open doorways and the enemy just comes in like that. So in the church... Everybody is sleeping with everybody. People are, you know, all kinds of nasty, dirty things can just start happening like that. So boundaries of morality are crossed. Financial fraud. People are literally, I don't know, deceived into giving. Giving. Look, giving is free will. Hallelujah. You must give the people a good reason. Don't threaten people with scriptures. (laughs) People take scriptures and threaten people just to get them to give. It's like an arm-twisting kind of thing. And these are all manipulative means. People manufacture scary prophecies for people. And they'll tell you, if you don't sow a seed into my life, this thing is going to happen to you. I had a friend who was in a church. And every time a pastor would come and say, God says you should sow thousand seeds into my life. God says you should sow thousand seeds into my life. <laughs> he said, thousand seeds. It got to a time he got tired. It was even bringing problems at home because like every time he has to go and give the prophet money. So one day, he decided to just go and see him. That, I mean, this thing you are doing is, is, is causing me a lot of problems at home because, I don't know, he was like, ah. But I thought you were earning like 10,000 cities, Emma? He said, no, I don't earn 10,000 cities. I was like, oh, really? Ah, eh. Hey. <laughs> I thought you were earning 10,000. So he had an idea that I was earning 10,000. So 10% of it, he had calculated in his mind what the thousand he was asking for was a huge percentage <laughs> of what the person was earning. Manipulation. Manipulation. This same man, because of these things that he does, a lot of his leaders were leaving him. One time they had their major convention. A prophet, he called all the leaders that were remaining in the church. He said everybody should come and touch him. They thought he was coming to do some serious prophetic act he said just as you are touching me if you should leave me if you should leave this church then he started mentioning so so and so should have people started detaching their hands quickly Say, <laughs> everything you are, you are going to receive same man you know so so people can start well and they will get into the tendency of exhibiting cultic tendencies. They themselves may not be aware of what they are doing, but it's just the devil working behind the scenes. So they cross biblical boundaries of behavior, immorality, financial fraud, etc. Number six, they exhibited the spirit of exclusivity. So they dishonor other churches. They dishonor other men of God. They speak about other people as if they, 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 they don't know anything. It's like we are the only ones with the truth. You need to watch out for such a thing. God will not take the truth and put it in only one church. He will not take the truth and put it in only one church. Don't sit in your church and badmouth other churches. Oh, Orthodox churches, they don't have the spirit of God. Go there and go and see. Oh, and this was, you mentioned this, guy. oh, they, they are so, so and so. And those who were clerical, it's not a very spiritual thing. How can you wear long what you call it? But now charismatics are wearing clerical. Everybody, everybody is doing the same thing. It's about what is inside you. Hallelujah. It's not really about what you are wearing and whether you are wearing a long miter or you are wearing a cap. It's about what you deliver. There are pastors who wear t-shirts nowadays. Like t-shirt and jeans. And they are still delivering. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you don't badmouth another church believing you are the only ones that have the truth. I know a pastor who went to go and preach in another church at a wedding and because the church was an established church you know the pastor of the church felt like oh, you know, we are the ones who know the, you know, in introducing him to come and preach he said, oh, shall we call Reverend Wine Wine Wine? That's exactly what he said. Wine, wine, wine. Ah, Reverend Wine, 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 In fact, before that, he said, Oh, let's even give him some 15 minutes and see what he can do. He said, Reverend, then, 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 wine, wine, wine. Come in, you know. Things like that. When people feel they are the only ones who have the truth. And you introduce him as wine, wine, wine in front of his church members. In front of his church members. You know. So there's this this spirit of exclusivity. We are the only ones that are doing the right thing. We are the only ones who have the, the right structures. We are the only ones who have the truth. We are the only ones who have the spirit of God. All other people, what they are doing is a joke. It is a sign that you are getting into cultic tendencies. And it has to be watched. Number seven. Emphasizing special revelation. And the key word is special. Special revelation, and most of the time, a special revelation that only the leader has received. Nobody else has received that revelation, only the leader. Special revelation Paul, Peter, all of them it bypassed them <laughs> and came to the leader. And most of the time, these things are novel, it's like so new. I always tell people, be very careful when you hear something that sounds too new because the Bible has there's nothing new under the sun. Everything we call revelation now is a build-up on ancient truths that are in the Bible. Hallelujah! So when something comes out and it's so unfortunately, those are the things that excite us. Like, hey, Charlie, the guy is deep. He's very, very deep. It's like his eyes are open in the word special revelation special revelation i'm not saying god God can give people insight into the word along some lines and it's like revelatory wow you know but when the thing is too off you have to test it well hallelujah yeah go for the sermon i preached on how to test doctrine test doctrine take it through the five steps of test of doctrine and make sure it passes everyone if it fails even one it is not a teaching from god so emphasizing special revelation special revelation number eight the leader is literally worshipped you have groups where the leader is literally worshipped you see worshipping the leader is different from honoring the leader the bible explicitly tells us to honor men of god It said they are worthy of double honor all right especially those who labor in the way that is what the bible says but when the thing is moving to almost where it's like you are equating the person to God. You can't do anything without informing the person. It's all elements of control and we need to watch these things. We need to watch these things. We need to watch these things. Sometimes people try to put in measures to ensure that the office of the priesthood is not dishonored but sometimes it goes a little overboard and it becomes human worship literally and it is a sign that the group is moving into cultic tendencies and then the ninth and the last one is abuse abuse cults are fond of being engaged in abuse the abuse can be physical there are groups and churches where when you misbehave you are you are physically beaten. they'll beat you like yeah, they, they chain people to cast out demons from them. They chain people. They, in fact, they whip people to cast out demons. If whipping could cast out demons. It's not nowadays that in primary schools, they say they shouldn't whip their children. When we're small, teacher will come. When he just feels like exercising this. Everybody put your head on the table. Take a cane and lash from one end to the end. If lashing could cast out demon, there will be no witches in Ghana like it would have been lashed and whipped out of people long ago <coughs> but whipping doesn't cast out demons in fact in the bible some demons rather whipped somebody in fact some people there's seven sons of skiva when i read that story i just get i mean you are going to cast out the demon and you say in the name of jesus whom paul preaches that means you yourself you don't even know that jesus christ and demons they know rank so he said Jesus we know Paul we know by you who are you and they lash them and strip them naked so demons rather do the lashing the lashing doesn't take the demons out so there's there's physical abuse there's emotional abuse emotional abuse you see the worst form of bullying is emotional bullying that's the worst form of bullying when probably you don't give at a certain level in the church you can be made to feel like you are the most useless person it's like you are a failure in life how come you you cannot give you know this amount and blah 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 but when it comes to giving in the house of god i've said it before that god doesn't measure how much you give by how much you put in he measures it according to what your capacity could have been in other words what is left after you have given otherwise you wouldn't have told the widow that she gave more than everyone else she gave all two mice others put big bundles in the bowl but she gave her all the best you can give to god is to give your all hallelujah even if it's one CD, and it is your all is bigger than somebody who gives one million dollars and has 20 million dollars left amen that is the mentality that is how we must see the giving We mustn't abuse people emotionally simply because they can not match up to a certain level. And these things are subtle. They are not done in the open, but they are subtle. And there are people in groups and they are are suffering. There's a way in which you can even be made to feel like a second-rate citizen in the church if you don't have a beloved or you are not yet married. It's emotional abuse. Things are done such that when you don't have one or you are not in that category, you feel like you are not worth it. You feel like there is something absolutely wrong with you. That is abuse. So abuse is not just slapping. And then there is sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. Where leaders sleep with people. Manipulate people's minds and sleep with them. Sexual abuse. And then there is a lot of exploitation financial exploitation this land of yours there are demons on it transfer it in my name (laughs) and when the demons see my name they shall flee (laughs) are you jesus christ a lot of exploitation so there is abuse so i'll quickly go over it one calls oppose critical thinking two they dishonor the family unit it's like they they try to separate you from your family make family look like it's not important three isolating people and penalizing them for living that's number four they're penalizing people for living and demonizing people for living number five crossing biblical boundaries of behavior so there's immorality financial fraud etc number six they have the spirit of exclusivity they feel like they are the only ones who have the truth Seven, emphasizing special revelations of the leader. And usually these things contradict scriptures. Number eight, the leader is literally worshipped. And then number nine, there is abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and then exploitation. This is a message to inform you. Because these things, you can slip into them and you don't realize it. For me, this message is also a check on me as a pastor that's what the Bible says What we must examine ourselves self-examination is very very important a lot of people who fall into these things start well but they create systems around them where nobody can advise them and nobody can point anything out to them you can't be out there in ministry and not have a father over you or a mentor somebody who can call you and rebuke you somebody who can call you and say this thing that you are doing is wrong May do that, you, your anointing is a vagabond anointing. It is a fatherless anointing. It is an orphan anointing. And such anointings don't solve problems in society. They only cause troubles in society. And so these are things we must all watch. As I said from the beginning, a lot of prayer groups are springing up. Groups are being formed on the internet. Watch out for some of these tendencies. The fact that one is present doesn't mean it is a call. It means it is showing cultic tendencies. And something must be done to bring it down. And this information may be useful for somebody you know who is involved or attached to some of these things. And are being abused and their life is going in a different direction. I want to pray for you wherever you are. My prayer for you tonight is that the Lord himself will give you the spirit of discernment. The Lord will give you the grace of discernment. If anybody is listening to me and you are under the bondage of a court, I pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of prayer we release you right now. We pray that your eyes shall be opened, the scales shall fall from your eyes and you shall see the truth. If you were leader and you're beginning to show cultic tendencies may the spirit of god bring about a transformation let there be an awakening and let there be a revival in your life in the name of jesus christ of nazareth and father we pray that as the end comes and your word says you shall pour out your spirit upon all flesh and for that revival that we expect we pray in the name of jesus that you begin to exalt the genuine and begin to uproot the faults Father, there's, there's so much dilution in the system, dilution of the truth. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that you let the truth alone stand in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We pray that you give grace to those that are doing the right thing, the necessary push for their voices to be heard, those that are teaching the right things, those that are, that are doing the right thing, for their voices to be heard around the world, for their voices to, to penetrate all barriers. For people to be saved. For people to be brought into alignment with your will for mankind. I pray for the body of Christ, Lord. That there will be a sense of unity. Let the cracks be taken away in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because your word says, we have one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. Let us be one, even as the church in the New Testament was. We give you glory. We give you praise. Lord, I pray that this word will be cemented deep down in our spirits and give us the grace to be doers of it. In Jesus' name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. We trust you have been blessed on, by this message. Right For more information, reach us on 24 873 or on our Facebook page, the Overflow Worship Center. Stays less. Overflow! Someone Overflow. overflows.